So within Christianity, there are two distinct beliefs that set it apart from every other religion. There are two things that make Christianity essentially completely unique. The first one is the idea of grace. That in Jesus, we are given immeasurable grace. That we do not get what we deserve, but actually Jesus got what he deserved through his death and his sacrifice on the cross. And that because he chose to go to the cross, he took our place. And in taking our place, freed us from the penalty of sin and death. That is grace. That makes Christianity completely unique because every other belief system requires us to make things right with God. We have to do something to be right with God, whether it's following a set of rules, whether it is uh, making sure we donate enough or we do enough. There are all different systems to make us right with God. Grace says something different. It says, nothing you do will save you. Jesus has done that. Follow it. Second thing that makes Christianity unique is what we believe about God. Central to Christianity since its beginning, since the movement of following Jesus started, and what Jesus taught was that God is Trinitarian in nature. Some of us are familiar with that term, maybe some of us not so much. But the idea of the Trinity is God is three persons in one essence. Biblically and historically, it's understood that God is three persons in one essence. Three distinct individual persons, like you and I as a person, we have personality, we have emotion, we have difference than the person next to us. But with God, those three persons are one in nature or essence of the same substance. That is central to the belief of Christianity. Central to the belief of Christianity is this idea that God is three, person, three persons in one essence. When we talk about the idea of the Trinity, uh, there's an image that's been used historically that might be helpful for it, which you'll see on the screen. And so this, I've got to go back a bit. That's the picture. Thank you. Um, and it looks like this. And so there are different ways of doing it historically. And so it's, you have Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three points like a triangle, and the center is the concept of God. So the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is not the Father. But the Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. This is one of the ways that people have tried to understand as best we can something that is almost ununderstandable is that the three persons make up the one essence of God. We've tried all kinds of different analogies, and we've tried all kinds of different metaphors, and some are helpful to try and get us a little bit of a picture, but none of them really grasp the fullness of who God is. That biblically, historically, we've understood God to be Trinity. God is three persons in one essence. That is the basis of Christianity. So when we follow Jesus, we're believing in this God, that Jesus is God, the Father is God, and what we're going to speak about today, the Holy Spirit is God. And as 
Andre mentioned that sometimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit, it can be an awfully confusing topic, and it can be one that almost gets ignored oftentimes, depending on what kind of church background you have, and sometimes maybe even overemphasized, depending on what kind of church background you have. But when we talk about the Holy Spirit, what I want to do this morning is explore this question. What or who is the Holy Spirit? What or who is the Holy Spirit? We have to think the question, is the Holy Spirit a what? Or is the Holy Spirit a who? Because when we approach this idea, what we sang about in those songs, what we talk about in the concept of God, we should get that straight. For some of us, we think of the Holy Spirit as a what. It is like this impersonal force, almost like think of Star Wars, like it's the force. Some of us will think of it as something that we long for, like an experience. So maybe you've had that feeling, maybe you're sitting in church and you've had that feeling where you kind of have like goosebumps or something, you're like, ooh, that was, that was cool, and we think that's the Holy Spirit. And we're chasing after that experience over and over again by going to retreats or trying to find some way to get it. Is that the Holy Spirit? Well, I'm going to say no, that's not. And to explore who the Holy Spirit is. We're going to do so by looking through Jesus's words. But before we do that, let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we get to be here uh, in person to reflect on who you are and what it means to follow you in our lives. I know all of us, whether we're here in person or we're online, are coming from different spaces, different places, different beliefs, and are figuring it all out even if we've been to church for a long time. None of us has it all figured out. We're all on this journey together to know you more and more. And I pray that this morning that we are open to you, Holy Spirit, to uh, inspire us through uh, the songs we sing, through the words we reflect on in Scripture, to open our minds and our hearts to what it is you have for us, so that we can be people who are true followers of you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been in this series called What Should We Believe? where we've been exploring, well, what should Christians believe? And we've based this off one of the oldest statements or summaries of Christian faith, which is the Apostles' Creed. So in the Apostles' Creed, we've been going through this for a few weeks, and it started off with this. I believe in God the Father, creator of heaven and earth. And I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. And then... There's a transition piece. He says, I believe in the Holy Spirit. So if you follow this creed, there's a big emphasis on who Jesus is. I mean, that that is the main focus of this creed, because that was the struggle that they were having at that time. At the time that this was being compiled and written and summarized and getting clarity on it, people were trying to figure out, do we really believe what we say we believe about Jesus? There were different people saying different things. So a lot of time was spent on that in the creed. And we spent the last three weeks looking at different aspects of the significance of who Jesus is. And then he transitions this quick one line, and I believe in the Holy Spirit. 
This wasn't as big of a concern for them. Later creeds or statements would be made about what they really believe about the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is. But here is just a blanket statement, yeah, we believe it. Because at that point, they were all comfortable with what they had. Nobody was trying to convince them otherwise, at least not enough to put it into a creed. So who is the Holy Spirit, and why does that matter? Well, we sang a bunch of songs about the Holy Spirit, and each one had a different statement that it was making about it. You might have caught it, you might not have caught it. Some might have been more accurate than others, as is sometimes the case. Some might have been a little bit, let's just say, less accurate about who the Holy Spirit is and why this matters. But what I want to do is I want to look at who Jesus says the Holy Spirit is to try and get an understanding of why that matters. So in John chapter 14, it comes at a place where Jesus is expressing to his closest followers that there's a fear, there's a sadness, that they know that Jesus is going to leave, and he tries to comfort them. He says this, starting in verse 15, If you love me, keep my commands. There's going to be like a sandwich statement in here where he says this twice. This is a key thing. He wants them to understand that if they love him, they will do what he's invited them to. As I mentioned before, Christianity has a uniqueness based on grace. And so a statement like this, you might start thinking, well, then that doesn't make sense because then it means we have to do something. But think of it this way. You probably have someone in your life you love. It could be a mother, a father, a sister, brother, husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, kids. You love them too if you have them. Someone you love. And that someone you love at some point has a birthday. Now, there are two ways of approaching a birthday present. For some of us, we'd say, well, I'm going to buy this present so they love me more. So you buy that kid that pony that you've kind of gone out of for 12 years, but now it's too late, you've got to pay up. And think, if I just buy them that pony, they'll really love me. Or you buy your spouse that car. And you think, if I just get these big ticket items, they'll love me and that's good. That's one way to approach giving a gift to someone you love. Another way to approach it is you love them, so you want to do something for them. So it's not so much about getting them to love you because you gave them something, but out of your love for them, you give them something. So you love your spouse, so you buy them flowers, not just on their birthday, but randomly. Or you make dinner, or you clean the house, or you do something. Because out of your love for them, you do. When Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands, he's not saying, keep my commands so I love you, but evidence of your love for him, follow and live the way he invites you to. When you love someone, you do things that demonstrate that love. And that's what Jesus is saying. And this is an act of grace, an invitation. And he continues, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Andre used that word advocate, and that's a a tricky word, so some of us could think of different ideas of what an advocate is or who could be an advocate. Jesus is basically saying, I am going to leave you with a helper. You're not going to be alone. So when Jesus, as he's speaking to his closest followers, says, I'm going to leave you, 
says, I'm not leaving you alone. There's someone else who is of the same category as me, another advocate. Not an advocate for the first time, but another advocate. Someone who is of the same essence as me will be with you. You won't be alone. It says, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So lives with you, present tense, and will be in you, future tense. Jesus is again making a statement about being of the sameness as this advocate. He is with them now. The Holy Spirit will be in them soon enough. This again is this distinction that Christianity has, that it is one God, three persons, one essence. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. <clears throat> excuse me. Before long, <clears throat> excuse me. Before long, the world will not see you anymore, but you will see me, because I live, and you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. And we're going to jump ahead to verse 26. It says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. So as Jesus is preparing to die, he does this beautiful thing with his closest friends and followers. He comforts them. If you've ever been with someone you love, near the end of their life, it is a beautiful and hard and sad thing. And when they start to comfort you, oh, it gets so much harder. Because you think, oh, I should be comforting you. I should be making you feel better because you are going to move on from this life. But then they do it for you. It is beautiful. Jesus, knowing what is going to happen, knowing that he is going to be arrested, tried, executed, comforts his closest followers. Comforts them and says, I know you feel like you're going to be alone, but you're not. In fact, I'll be with you in a different person. God's still with them. The advocate, the helper, the Holy Spirit. Jesus is giving us thousands of years later, this picture of what he's about to do is that God is forever present with his people through the Holy Spirit. That that is God's present always with us. That this person is with us. So what does Jesus say about the Holy Spirit in this passage? Well, first thing he says that the Holy Spirit is a person. Multiple times he uses the pronoun he in this. You don't use a he for a force. You say an it. 
There's a reason why Jesus is doing that. The Holy Spirit is a person, part of this understanding of God that makes Christianity unique. It is the person of God present with us. The Holy Spirit, the second point he makes, is that he is present. That when Jesus is physically not present with his followers, just as he is physically not present with us today, that we, we don't have Jesus sitting with us in this crowd, as amazing as that would be, the Holy Spirit is here, present always. In fact, the Holy Spirit is present even when we're not aware of the Holy Spirit's presence, which is one of the ways that maybe we need to think about how we talk about the Holy Spirit, that God is always present with you. The third thing he's saying is that the Holy Spirit is powerful, that the Holy Spirit is the one who guides and teaches and leads us in our daily life. You and I, we did not have the privilege of being that unique group of followers that Jesus had. We come hundreds, thousands of years later, and we're following Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. That God's presence in our lives invites us to follow the Messiah, the Savior. And the fourth thing he says about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit gives us peace in his presence. So because the Holy Spirit is always with them, with us, we can have peace. We can find fullness because of it. The concept of peace that that we think is always the, the absence of conflict. Biblically speaking, the idea of peace is fullness, wholeness of a person. You could become whole because of God's presence with you in the Holy Spirit. Now, there's another thing that gets said, not in this section, But John, who most likely wrote this gospel, who compiled these stories of Jesus, wrote letters to the church as well. And as he was trying to lead the church, he tried to help them understand, again, who God is, what do they believe, and why do they believe it. So in 1 John, he's going to tell us that the Holy Spirit is also proof. That the Holy Spirit is proof, evidence. 1 John 4.13 says, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. I talked about this last week, if you were here, if you listened online at some point. As we talk about Jesus being the judge, the one who will judge good and bad forever eternity, we don't have to be afraid because we have the spirit. God is with us. If we don't know if we have the Spirit, then let's talk later. There's no reason to fear, but we know that He is with us. We know that He lives. We live in Him and He in us because He's given us a Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Part of our belief, if if you are someone who says, I follow Jesus, and maybe you're not there yet, 
but many of us are. If you say, I follow Jesus, you do that by the power of the Holy Spirit present in your life. We can't come to God by any other means than God himself. So if you are someone who says, I am a Christian, and you live like it, and you believe it, it is by the power of the Holy Spirit that you do it. He is proof of who you are. So this is what I think we need to know about the Holy Spirit. The presence of the person of the Holy Spirit is proof of the power of God at work in us. The presence of the person of the Holy Spirit is proof of the power of God at work in you. God is present with you always, and it comes out in how you live. His presence, his very real presence with you, is proof of what is going on. So what is that proof? What are we looking for? The Apostle Paul writes this in Galatians 5, and many of us might be familiar with it if we've been to church for a while. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit, meaning that which the Spirit produces in us, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. When we follow Jesus, when we embrace the Spirit's presence in our life, this is what should be coming out of our lives. We should grow in our peace. We should grow in our joy, in our love, in our kindness. That is the evidence of God's presence in your life. It's not something you force yourself to do. This is the tricky thing, right? So again, if we're looking at Christianity's uniqueness, it is grace that makes it unique, that God is present with you as a gift, not you earning it. So you trying to be nicer, I mean, it's a good thing, but that's not evidence of God's work. You staying closer to God, spending more time with God, praying more, reading Scripture more, allowing God to be present in your daily life, that is what we work towards. That's what we partner in. And when we do, this is what happens. You become nicer, kinder, kindness grows. Joy grows. Not magically, instantly, and like, oh, I'm just so much happier. But over time, perspective shifts, and you become more and more who God always meant you to be. And as you do that, this is the evidence, Paul is saying. The producing of fruit is the proof that God is with you. And I think we all know people, and and this is, you know, if we look in the mirror, we can look at ourselves at times too, where we say like, yeah, I'm not really like that. I'm not very patient, or I'm not very kind, or I'm not very, you know, loving. Or we've had experiences, unfortunately, in churches where people behave very differently, whether from the front of the stage or sitting in the seats, and aren't kind and gracious, And we could easily go, well, obviously they're not Christians because they don't have the Spirit. And and it could be. We'd probably be surprised at one point. But more often it's that we've been ignoring 
the desire for God's presence in our lives. God's always there, but we're not drawing closer to him. So if you take an inventory of yourself, if you look in the mirror and ask the question, like, why am I not joyful? I'm going to give you a 100% answer. If you want to work on it, get closer to God. Don't go, oh, well, if I cut these things out of my life, if I stop talking to these people that bring me down, those, those might need to happen, but just draw closer to God. That's what, where it really comes from. That's where it comes out of you and not just something you try to bring in. So why does this topic of the Holy Spirit matter? Why does this, that when we talk about the Holy Spirit as a person who is present, who is powerful, who gives us peace, who grows this within us, why does this matter to us, or why should it matter? Well, first is what we believe about the Spirit should shape how we pray. If you believe that God is present with you right now, right at this moment, in the Holy Spirit, the personal Holy Spirit is with you. If you believe that, your prayer isn't, Holy Spirit, come, we welcome you. The Holy Spirit's there. The Holy Spirit is with you. Your prayer becomes, thank you, God, for your presence. And that's a complete shift. Because when we go, you're welcome here, we want you, we're looking for something. And the truth is, it's there. It's a person. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit in all of our lives, if we want it. If the Holy Spirit is always present with you, it shifts how you speak and how you pray and what you're looking for. I think if we're really honest, and this might be a bit harsh, what most of us are looking for is some kind of experience that makes us feel good. But the presence of the Holy Spirit isn't necessarily that. It's God with you always, whether you feel good or bad, guiding you in life. The second thing is what we believe about the Spirit should shape how we behave. If we believe that the Spirit is present with us and we have an awareness of the Spirit's presence with us, that God is always with us, we need to think twice about how we act and behave, in particular around sin. Part of the work of the Holy Spirit is that it is guiding us to be who God has made us to be. And if you know that God is with you, present every moment, maybe you think twice before you act. How many of us, if we had, you know, maybe, maybe we struggle with stealing. And maybe you like to do that and you do it on your own. You know, you just take a quick candy bar from the store. No one notices, feels good. Would you do that if your mother was there? Right? When we know someone is present, we don't do the things we know that are wrong. What we believe about the Holy Spirit should affect how we behave. If we understand that God is present with us, the person of God and the Holy Spirit is present with us, it should affect how we live every day of our life and how we pray to Him. My prayer for you is that you embrace the Spirit's presence with you right now. Maybe you're someone who has been to church for a long time. You said you followed Jesus for a long time, but uh, your ideas of the Holy Spirit is that you are chasing that experience of like, give me something more. The truth is God is with you always. 
And I pray you embrace that. And that as you embrace that, you see how that can shift who you are and what's happening. Maybe you're someone who's not sure what you believe about Jesus. My prayer for you is that you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. You allow the Holy Spirit to open your heart and your mind to the truth of God's graciousness in Jesus. A gift that's unlike anything else. And I pray that when you pray, whether you've been following Jesus for a long time or you're not sure and maybe want to start, you thank God for his presence with you right now in the person of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are present with us. That Holy Spirit, you are of the same essence, of the same nature, truly God, that when we speak to Father, when we speak to Son, when we speak to the Holy Spirit, we speak to God. And we thank you that we get to know you personally, that you are with us, that you are speaking to us, guiding us, teaching us, and that as you do that, we can grow to be more and more who you call us to be. I pray for us this morning that maybe we're people who feel like we've been so distant from you, God. Maybe we've been going to church for a long time, but we don't have a sense of your closeness. I pray we can embrace the reality that you are close, always. You are within us and with us, always, Holy Spirit, even when we don't feel it. But as we embrace that truth, I pray you touch our emotions so we know it. I pray you guide our lives so we know it. In that the fruit that only you can produce grows every day in every way. I thank you for the grace it is to know you, God. That you are a God who is present with us now, And you are a God who gave of himself in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins and so that we could have life in all of its fullness. And I pray we embrace that. And we never let that go. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, As you go today, I'd love for you to join us for a coffee if you're sticking around or if you just want to enjoy your weekend and reflect. I pray you're open to the movement of the Spirit in your life who is greatly present with you even if you don't recognize it. May God bless you and keep you and have a great week.